the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Good day and welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Thanks for listening to the show. I was doing a little bit of work yesterday talking with the marketing and advertising person. And he was really thoughtful. And he asked me some really great questions about my core history, what I've done in the past, what I want to do in the future, some of my successes, some of my failures. And I thought about one of my failures and I thought I'd share it with you. Um, the stock market's always in interesting times, in my opinion. There's years that are boring and boring is interesting. There's years that are down and down is interesting. There's years that are up and up is interesting. When I put together the thought of what's something that I, I, I regret, something that I'm disappointed in myself in 25 years, 20 to 25 years of doing financial media, is I said I used to hate Warren Buffett, and I, I was wrong. In the 1990s, I was almost a pure tech investor, almost a pure growth investor. On occasion, I'd say, yeah, GE or McDonnell Douglas or – I would go with some boring names, but I was always very impatient with them. So Warren Buffett's the man. I wanted to beat him in the 90s because he was the greatest investor of all time. Now I want to be like him. I want to talk a little bit about Buffett. There was a story out that I saw about a young trader who thought he had a $700,000 loss on Robinhood, the app, stock trading app, and he commits suicide. He was 20 years old. He was just getting excited about financial investing and financial news. He was getting excited about using apps to invest. And he started playing with some options. And it showed on paper a massive loss. Now on Reddit, man, Reddit is a weird site. (laughs) You can post how much you've gained, how much you've lost, and it's a thing to brag on both levels. But this young man killed himself. He was distraught. He's 20 years old. He had nothing but his life ahead of him. And that just kills me. So I want to go back to investing. I want to go back to Buffett on occasion. What he says is some of the best things you will ever learn. Some of it you'll get. Some of it you'll come back to. One of the things, one of his quotes that I really like is, there seems to be some perverse human characteristic that likes to make easy things difficult. There seems to be some perverse human characteristic that likes to make easy things difficult. Um, If you've accumulated wealth, you now need to manage wealth. And it's different than accumulating wealth. Sometimes we get a little too complicated. I don't think most people need stock options. Stock options are there for a reason. They don't necessarily have to be used by you. I think they're a great way of exiting a big position. I think they're a horrible way to make big amounts of money. The way the media presents it to you sometimes is they're great ways to make big amounts of money. 
if you watch CNBC, you'll you'll get what I'm saying. And to me, that seems to be the perverse human characteristic that likes to make easy things difficult. You don't need to be that smart. You don't need to play it that short term. You don't need to be that right with your timing. Warren Buffett did something a couple of years ago where he challenged a hedge fund manager. My tenure are your tenure results against the S&P 500. So in theory, they both have $100,000 to work with. Who's going to have more after 10 years? Buffett won. A boring investment like the S&P 500 where you buy it once and you just hold it for 10 years, he won. Now, it happened to be during a 10-year bull market, which is helpful, but you get the idea. Another Warren Buffett quote that I like, I always knew I was going to be rich. I don't think I ever doubted it for a minute. When I was 16, 17, 18 years old, right around that time, I started the concept of I don't want to work till the day I die. And I won't. Maybe I will, but I don't have to. And that knowing in my head I wanted to get to $1 million by the age of 35 was insanely silly. But it powered me for the next 17 years. Then you get married, then you get a kid, and you're like, whoa, million dollars is going to go as far as I thought it was. But I never doubted it for a minute. I think it's helpful. Warren Buffett recently said, not recently, but it, it was recently proven very, very true, is you never know who's swimming naked until the tide goes out. And that's the people that have portfolios that don't understand downside risk. That's the people that have stocks that they don't understand. And when the stock market goes down 10%, it scares some people. When it goes down 40%, it really shows you who doesn't, who knows, who doesn't know what they're doing. So in a good market, you can feel comfortable. You can feel warm. It's like a nice blanket. In a bad market, it really exposes the players who are just playing and not the people who understand the game. I love this Warren Buffett quote because it, it's, it's so right on. You can't produce a baby in one month by getting nine women pregnant. Warren Buffett said you can't produce a baby in one month by getting nine women pregnant. What the? You said Robbie is the greatest financial investor of all time. What are you doing to me? I'm trying to get you thinking again that one month does not make a market on an investment. No way. I like buying things as if I seriously contemplated it. Not a whim. I like buying things that I want to own. I like buying things that I understand. I don't look for instant gratification. I'm not a financial planner. I work closely with financial planners. And they have something called a five-year plan. I love that. Um, because in your 20s, you're, so, you're young and you're supposed to be kind of experimenting. Or you're young and you're supposed to be finding the, the right spouse, which is important. When you're 20s, you're young and you're supposed to make some mistakes. But you're also supposed to start building a foundation that, you know, maybe it's your education, your foundation that's going to lead to a career of earnings. Maybe it's a foundation for your uh, stock investments and you're doing it through something simple like acorns. where you are rounding up your investments, but you're doing it in the S&P 500. And lo and behold, after a year, you've got two thousand dollars. After five years, you've got ten thousand dollars. Then you're set. You're on your way. You're not set, but you're on your way. 10 can become 20 with the market. 20 can become 40 with the market. 40 can become 80. But getting that little bit of money, $166 a month into the market, it stinks. Because I don't know if I'm right here, but $166 a month could buy what? 10 more six-packs of beer? 
four good bottles of wine. I, I don't know wine. Um, that's probably obvious. But I love Warren Buffett. And I want to celebrate Warren Buffett. And the best thing you could do today, instead of trying to be right, instead of betting on horse number four, instead of saying, I think this company's going to do that, instead of um, racking your brain, the best thing you do is search Warren Buffett quotes. If you'd like a copy of Warren Buffett quotes, go to my webpage, newfocusfinancial.com. And there's some downloads there. One of them is the 25 greatest quotes that Warren Buffett ever said. But you can Google it too. I'm not ruling that out. I think Warren Buffett's very helpful and very handy for the long term. Sadly, he hasn't written any ABC kind of books, but there's a lot of information out there on him. You can find it. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money invested, and more. I was talking with... A marketing person and we're trying to share some ideas and go forward i'm excited <clears throat> that's a story for later in the year hopefully but one of the things when he was interviewing me he said um what's one of your mistakes and i said in the 90s i i wanted to be better than warren buffett and i was arrogant about it and i probably had better returns than warren buffett in the 90s so i kind of let it go to my head a little bit Consult a work advisor for taking action on anything I ever say. I'm not bragging. I'm just talking at this point in time. Warren Buffett has made a profound difference in my life. And every now and then you'll find a little nugget like the one I shared where you, can, you can't produce a baby in one month by getting nine women pregnant. I love that. You'll become a better investor if you start just digging a little deeper into Warren Buffett. And hopefully you're doing it in your 20s and not in your 50s. Uh, Warren Buffett once said, rule number one, never lose money. Rule number two, never forget rule number one. There's some truth to that. Have you ever gone gambling or bet on a horse or made a Super Bowl bet that uh, you were all cocky and arrogant, you hated Tom Brady, and dang it, Tom Brady beat you? Losing money stinks, so I get it. And in, in the investment world, you only live for 20, maybe 40 years from age 20 to 60 when you're really actively possibly contributing your new income that you're making into an idea of long-term investments. You know, it's like the underwear gnomes, you know, rule number one, steal underwear. Rule number two. One, collect underpants. Fells two, fells three, profit. I love that. It's so close to Warren Buffett's rule number one, never lose money. Rule number two, never forget rule number one. But what's the one in between? And that's the one we all do. We pick stocks. We pick friends. I've got a friend who uh, um, his spouse has a a friend who is just really, really dark. Really, really dark. And, And they basically poison each other. And they bring it home. That's never a good thing. Anyhow, let's move forward with more Warren Buffett quotes. Now, we all know the obvious one is be fearful when others are greedy. Be greedy when others are fearful. Um, If everyone's making money, that's not the time to get into the party. That's the time to leave the party. 
Now, again, he's talking a big concept there. And I'm not telling you, but, you know, sell everything just because everything's doing well. I like the idea. In practice, it's very, very difficult. I try not to get either greedy or fearful. I try to be a little more even keel. With that said, he's right. The best time to buy a house is right after an earthquake when everyone's afraid of owning a house. It's right after a terrible, terrible hurricane when everyone is, is, is afraid of owning a home in that area because hurricanes knock things over. The best time to buy the stock market was when it's down 40%. People aren't working. But that takes cojones and it takes some like, do you have enough emergency money to get through this? Because you're just tying up your investment. You're not doing it for one month. You're not doing it for nine months. You're doing it a little bit longer than that in theory. A couple other Buffett quotes that I want to get to. The most important thing to do if you find yourself in a hole is to stop digging. Lordy knows that's the truth. I got in way over my head in the 90s by buying some biotech companies. I bought tech companies and I rocked it. I owned it. I was the best in the nation. But then I tried to buy some biotech companies and I got humiliated. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I was like, well, I hear the people that – Roush are working on a cure for cancer. And like I just – I was stupid. I don't buy biotech companies ever since then. I'd rather buy a biotech index because I get the pursuit for the cure of cancer. I get the pursuit for the cure of uh, baldness. I get the pursuit of fighting aging. Aging sucks. <laughs> I've got a little bit of arthritis in my hips from uh, growing up playing soccer and running distance. It sucks. Neighbor of mine said to me a couple weeks ago, he goes, those first 15 steps in the morning, I'm like, I hear you. He goes, I'm fine. Once I get through the first 15, I'm like, yeah, I know. So the most important thing to do if you find yourself in a hole is stop digging that hole. I got out of buying text, uh, biotech stocks because I didn't know what I was doing. I couldn't analyze it. I couldn't possibly. Now, when biotech companies like Amgen or Biogen get really, really big – they eventually grow into companies like Merck or Pfizer, and they're a little bit easier to analyze in large part because they have uh, a portfolio of drugs. In large part, maybe their drugs tied towards diabetes. And you could say, OK, in America, there's 25 million active diabetics. And that number is growing at 5% a year. 5% a year is better than the economy is growing, right? So you could start doing the numbers and go, I like diabetes as an investment theme. It's, it's America's fat. We're getting fatter. Um, we can't go to gym, so we're going to get fatter. And you get the idea, right? I like analyzing what you can analyze. But when you're a biotech company and you have no drugs and you're trying to develop one, it's, it's like that company who's trying to develop the vaccine for COVID. And I'm not going to say a name here. Moderna. Moderna has said, we have the vaccine. We just need to test it. Now, if they don't have the vaccine, what do you think is going to happen to that company? Because look over their left shoulder, look over their right shoulder. They ain't got nothing else. They got a novel way of trying to develop vaccines, which could mean they'll have a vaccine candidate for COVID 2021 or COVID 22. COVID 19 is named after the year that it, it started, 2019. So maybe they got something. You see where I'm going with that? I love Warren Buffett. He once said, price is what you pay, value is what you get. Wow. Do you know how many of you listeners, I'd say one in 20 will contact me and say, what do you think about this $5 stock? I'm not particularly fond of $5 stocks. 
They say, why? And I go, because it's a $5 stock. You like it. Tell me if I'm wrong because it's cheap and you think $5 can become $10 much easier than 500 can become 1,000 or 50 can become 100 or 10 can become 20. I get why you want a $5 stock. You're not fooling me. You're trying to hit a home run more often than not. And for Warren Buffett to say price is what you pay, value is what you get. He's trying to say look for some value. There was a point in time where Sun Microsystems was a $60 stock, and they made these cutting-edge servers right at the time when the internet was consuming servers, right at the time when the internet was like becoming a thing. They were at the right place at the right time, and their stock went from 60 to 50, 50 to 40, 40 to 30, 30 to 20, 20 to 10. More people liked that dang stock at $10 and $5 a share than liked it at 60. Okay, I get it. Eventually, the company goes to zero, Trying to buy something that used to be 60, you wanted to go to 60 when it's at five, is silly. If a company has fallen that far, it's probably because they've lost something. Maybe leadership, maybe product, maybe competitiveness. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. I'm talking Warren Buffett. I'm Rob Black. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. A story hit me pretty hard the other day that a young 20-year-old man who had been using Robinhood, the app, committed suicide after racking up massive losses. He was probably reading his understanding incorrectly. But it does go to show you that in your 20s, you probably shouldn't be buying stocks. And I hate saying that. It's stressful. It's, it's, it takes time to get good at it. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. See what Mr. Burton has to share with us today. Somehow, some way, some shape, some form, you're going to make us smarter, I assume. Mr. Burton, how are you? I am good. I hope so. <laughs> good. Uh, what do you want to talk about today? I, we could talk webinars. We could talk Warren Buffett. We could talk investing in your 20s. Did you see that story about the guy knocking himself off because he racked up big losses? I did. In fact, uh, late yesterday, my own mom sent that to me and says, is this, is this app any good? And this is really sad. I mean, it, I don't know. Um, so I'm f- more familiar with Acorns, but Robinhood was, is kind of more of the trading style app. Oh. And I didn't know if you could short stocks on it. I mean, that's the only way you can get a negative balance. So is he reading it wrong? I haven't read the story. I didn't click on it yet. So are you able I believe to short op- I believe option. You can short stocks, and I believe you can use options as well. And that's yeah. a pretty complicated thing for a 20-year-old man who should be worried about what he's going to do on a Friday night during COVID and not necessarily trying to become rich. You know, it, it, here's the deal. You, you can easily go buy ETFs or exchange-traded funds. Um, you can go buy them for free at TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, or Schwab or whatever. After you buy them, you can make sure the dividends are reinvested. And when around 90% of large cap growth managers can't perform the S&P, outperform the S&P 500 over a long period of time, why are you bothering to pick individual stocks? 
And we see this happen. I mean, I remember 2000, you know, 90, what, five through 1999, everybody thought they were geniuses picking individual stocks. Same thing happened from about 2005 to 2007. And then you get these big declines and then people that were doing okay and then they have huge losses and cash in at the bottom. Mm-hmm. They don't invest again. And it almost ruins them when it comes to investing. Um, like just at this last one, if you were able to stay put, congratulations. If you cashed out in March at the lows and you're still in cash, it's, it's a really rough situation for you because you got to make the decision. Do I go in now because there's so much stimulus around the world or do I average in over time or do I sit in cash and then have to work 15, 20 years longer in order to save enough for retirement? Cause I got out of the stock market. I don't know if this is going to be helpful or hurtful. I'm about to say, but I haven't really been upset by the stock market in 20 years. I think it was 2000, 2002, where I had a, oh my God moment, where I was like, what's going to happen with the markets? And I had to stop and process and like grab a bag and hyperventilate a little bit. Um, but I haven't really had a stress in 20 years since. Um, I think it's a good thing to get over, if that makes any sense. Have there been any times where you've just been overwhelmed by the markets or overwhelmed by clients or overwhelmed by product like annuities or has there ever been a moment where you're like, whoa, like I need a chill pill for the weekend? Okay, good. Not with stocks because it all comes down to, you know, you get these the market thinks comments on CNBC, the market this, the market that. The market is a, a group of individual companies and you can look through to those companies, are revenues increasing or decreasing? And then what are we paying for the future cash flows of this company? Um, so you can look at specific companies that represent the majority of the index and why the indexes are pushing higher is because the S&P 500 has a lot of tech in it these days with Microsoft and things like that. So it's really a very small handful of stocks that are keeping a, the S&P at these levels. And it makes sense because more and more people are using Microsoft, for example, right, with Teams and cloud and working at home. What I mean, my biggest stressor since the 2008, 2009 crisis was March 9th through about March 19th when the bond market stopped working. And that's why the Fed stepped in. I think Jerome Powell is a hero here, Um, probably one of the best Fed presidents we've ever had. The way that he stepped in, uh, first it was basically kind of these cash markets that companies use, financial institutions use, and then then stepped into the bond market and said, guys, everything's going to be okay. But we literally had a freezing of the bond market on March 9th. And so March 9th to 19th, that was a very, very stressful time for me, um, making sure that that acted out because it was really tough on fixed income. And fixed stocks are easy, man. I I tell you, just you look at companies right now, you look at, do they have enough cash on their balance sheet to get through another potential, you know, show up of the virus again in the fall? Because you have to have that. And you have to have the cash and access to cash no matter what your business looks like. And then are you growing revenues? You know, what are you in healthcare technology, industrials, if we get an infrastructure package um, and do you pay a dividend? Do you increase your dividend? Uh, So you can look through at stocks, but when fixed income stops working, Rob, that's when I get concerned. You have, it's not a degree, but you have a certification called CFP, certified financial planner. I wish I would have got a CFP designation. In my 20s, I was too fascinated with stocks and being smarter than everyone. Uh, but I wish I was a CFP. Now, you have a son, and I hope I could talk about this. How's he doing with the whole 20-year-old CFP knowledge base? Because I know he's studying it, or he was studying it. Yeah, yeah, sure. So 
it, well, Nick gets really deep into the behavioral finance stuff. Okay, good. Um, I like so that. I think he'll he'll go a little bit more that direction. Plus, he's going to be graduating in his third year and going into law school. So I'm not sure if he's going to go, you know, more estate planning route or into the behavioral finance world um, because he loves. Uh, philosophy and psychology of, of investing and how people react to certain things. Um, but what's interesting is like, so is everyone always going to pay attention to the inverted yield curve again? And this is coming from a 20 year old kid, right? Remember when the yield curve inverted, um, last year and everybody's like, ah, no, it's different this time because the federal reserve is involved and stimulus and this and that. And well, you know, we did within a year have a recession on the inverted yield curve. So yeah, it's something that you pay attention to for sure. And the inverted yield curve for those that don't know is when shorter term bonds are paying more than longer term bonds. And that happened a couple of times last year. Um, now the yield curve has steepened because of what the federal reserve is doing, which has created a little tougher job for those that invest in bonds. What bonds are you investing in? What's already rallied as a result of what the Fed is doing? And where are the opportunities being created? And you're hearing a lot of firms talk about structured credit um, and, and private debt and things like that because there's so much demand for bonds right now, Rob, that there's not enough bonds being issued. So some companies are going to the private markets. Furthering, um, I was talking a little about Warren Buffett earlier in the show because I, I tend to go back to him. Um, you've got a lot of great downloadables at newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com, and you and I have put together them through the years, and I was referring to the Warren Buffett one. Are there any downloadables that you really like that you think are more useful, not than others, but are there any downloadables that you would urge people to educate themselves with this coming weekend per se? Uh, yeah, well, for sure. I mean, for younger people, it's the 20 steps that you, 20 things to do before you need a financial advisor. That's a good and one. one of the things that the CARES Act, um, or not, not necessarily the CARES Act, but the SECURE Act, um, and cures and a result of all the stimulus is that there's more debt, right? Than ever before. Somebody's going to have to pay for that. Um, social security now is going to be strained. Uh, a little bit more as a result of all this. So why pay taxes in the future when they're going to be higher? So younger people or people trying to save money, they need to look at Roth IRAs. Younger people that are, you know, their their federal bracket is 12% or under, they, why are you going for the tax deduction? Put the money into the Roth 401k, forego the tiny tax deduction that you'd get for it, and let the money grow tax-free for the rest of your life. Um, Again, not something like I regret anything, but I wish that was more of an option when I was 20, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, I know. When I got into the business at, you know, 19 years old, Rob, that you could put 2000 into a Roth and 10% of your pay up to 10,000 into a 401k. That's it. I'm sorry. The Roth wasn't even around. It was just an IRA. Uh, Um, So it was all pre-tax stuff or investing in annuities, which was a horrible tax situation afterwards. Um, So, it's gotten a lot easier to save money. The issue is, is that, you know, where are you focusing on? Some, some people are still focusing on, uh, you know, real estate at really tough cash flow levels right now versus growing money tax-free in stocks in a Roth IRA. I mean, you, you definitely want to do that first. Sounds good. Thanks for joining me, Chad. People can find you at newfocusfinancial.com. You've got a lot of great downloadables there. You're always doing webinars and seminars. People can check it out right now to see what's coming up. Check it out at newfocusfinancial.com. And thanks for contributing the information. And I love that your kid's doing behavioral finance. It's, it's so cool to see young people take control. 
because uh, we have a good future. Thanks very much. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Um, we're talking about a lot of the basics right now, um, how to do things correctly, how not to get in over your head. Um, good stuff. You can find me at newfocusfinancial.com. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. CFP Chad Burton was just with me. I thought he did a great job on the fly. He wanted to talk about something else today. I was like, can we talk kind of generically speaking? And I hope it gives you good perspective that we all start somewhere with our investment careers and our financial understanding, for better or for worse. Um, he's a pretty top-notch, pretty bright guy. And we were talking a little bit about like the right way to do things. Kind of one of my mentors without being a mentor was Warren Buffett. He's definitely, you know, I think you should write down 20 things that you absolutely believe in, in investing. And if you could do that, you'll find that some of those principles are probably pretty similar to what Warren Buffett throws out there. Now, Warren Buffett's known as the stock market guru. Not a lot of people think of him as real estate. He does own some real estate in his company, Berkshire Hathaway. Let's bring in Tony Mendez to see if he can add any color to some of the basics of investing, some of the basics of Buffett, so to speak. How are you, Tony? I'm well. Good morning. So I asked you last night, put together some ideas on Buffett. What, what was one that stood out to you on real estate and Warren Buffett? Well, he has several quotes, which you, you can't just get ignore. Um, if you're smart, you're going to make a lot of money without borrowing. Um, some other quotes are never lose money. The second rule is don't forget rule number one. Uh, he, <clears throat> he follows a lot of rules. And, um, you know, real estate can be emotional for a lot of people. I really like that property. I want to buy that property. And he tries to take that out of the equation. Um, he, he doesn't like speculators. He, he, he says that if you don't, if you're focusing on what the future value of a property is, you're a speculator. I don't like speculators. So there's a lot of rules that he follows. And that's what I really like about Warren Buffett. One of the ones that you sent over to me was rule number three, and I'm not sure where these came from, but they're they're good. Uh, avoid speculation when embracing location. And again, we hear about that location, location, location. You hear people like me say stupid things like buying a good neighborhood of schools. Don't necessarily buy you know a, a beach house that has bad schools. Buy a beach house that has good schools. Like that, that having that location angle to it, it does help. Um, but speculations like. You don't want to say, like, what's the next hot city? Let's go buy there. There's some problems with that. Um, you know, one of the trends that we're seeing right now is, you know, people moving to, uh, you know, find cities that have affordable housing. Right. Um, and I, I've been, you know, I do a radio show as well, and I've been trying to turn that into an investment angle. I just can't really feel comfortable with that going hey, should investors follow these trends? Should they go to a city where it's more affordable and people, um, the demand will be higher and you might get some more value on the property? Then I go, that may not work. What, you know, If you're an investor, you want people to rent. If people are buying there, maybe that doesn't make sense uh, because rents might go down if it's more affordable. So speculating is what led a lot of people to financial disaster uh, leading up to the, the Great Recession. Um, and it was fed by a lot of um, 
you know, bad loan products, appraisers, uh, realtors, loan officers, everyone was feeding into this speculate speculation that, uh, you know, of, of greed. Um, it, it can well, backfire on you. And I think that's what he's trying to say. Yeah, you may remember I, I knew someone pretty well that her dad, you know, had a house in Fremont and he, he bought another house and he bought another house. He bought another house. And then 2008 happened where there's a great recession and he lost his individual renters. Warren Buffett, and you sent this to me, he said, why buy single family homes when you could buy commercial buildings? Me and Chad Burton, we bought a commercial building in a right next to a courthouse. He works out of that building. It's, it's, a, it's a genius thing because we could always sell it to another person who wants to have a corporation or a business next to a jailhouse or a courthouse is probably the better way of saying that. Uh, what do you think about commercial property and him saying avoid trying to own 100 units with 100 renters by one of one building and get 100 commercial businesses in it? That's I'm paraphrasing, but you get the idea. Right. You, you're essentially what he's saying is you're limiting your risk. Right. Um, if you have a four unit building and one tenant moves, you're still getting income from the other three tenants as right. opposed to a single family where you could have a, a flood, a disaster in the house. You have to. You know, you lose income on that unit for an indefinite period of time. So it's in a, what we see a lot of times is investors that have put their efforts into single family properties eventually move towards multi-unit properties. And, it's, and then eventually go into like 10 unit to 20 unit buildings because they do offer a little bit more security. And, you know, and that's really what you're looking for is, you know, solid growth over a period of time. Uh, without the risk and minimizing the risk. So I think that's what he's trying to say. Okay. Anything else that stands out to you as far as your 20 plus years of being in the real estate mortgage industry? Anything that you want to pass on that's nice and simple to digest, like a lot of Warren Buffettisms? Um, think long term. Um, real estate is not something that happens overnight. Um, okay. And, feel, and do what you're comfortable with. One of the first things I did when I got in the business is I wrote down a list of of six investment ideas, starting with the least risky to the most risky. And then you pick what's most comfortable for you. And But you have to really know your limits and push them slowly as you go through um, and do what you know uh, best. Do what you do. Do what you are comfortable with. And I think that's the best message we can give investors in real estate. Sounds good. Thanks for joining me, Tony Mendez. People can find you at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's a trusted friend of mine. Um, CFP Chad Burton is a trusted partner of mine. A little bit different, but you get the idea that I like to work with people who are smart and know what they're doing. You can find Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Um, another Buffett quote that I should you know probably end this with, and I, I like it is someone sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree a long time ago. Um, now, I'm not going to say go out and get an orange tree or a lemon tree or a lime tree. They're great investments at $10 at Home Depot this weekend, and they will bear more money and fruit for you than that purchase price. What that's saying is think long term and think about your retirement and think about your goals and be patient so there is shade in your future if you do this correctly. You don't want to be left out in the sun. You'll bake. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me at newfocusfinancial.com or robblackshow.com.